Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to see you and good to be with you this morning. Um, if you, uh, I've got an outline of my talk in the handout you would have received on the way in, if that's helpful for you to follow where I'm up to. Uh, and let me, let me pray for God's help as we come to hear his word together. <clears throat> Father God, thank you so much that through your holy scriptures, um, you're able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And we do thank you too, Lord, that your word is useful to teach us, rebuke us, correct us and train us in righteousness so that we're thoroughly equipped for every good work. Lord, we pray, please give us receptive hearts today. Please be on about that work in our lives. Um, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, Tilly Smith was a 10-year-old British girl who was on holiday in Phuket on Christmas Eve 2004 when the tsunami hit. And um, just, uh, a week, just weeks earlier at school, she had been learning about tsunamis. She'd done a school project uh, on giant waves caused by underwater earthquakes. And so she understood something about the danger signs. Well, um, she told a journalist, I was on the beach and the water started to go funny. Um, there were bubbles and the tide went out all of a sudden and I had a feeling there was going to be a tsunami and I told mummy, she said. So while other holidaymakers just stood and stared, wondering what was happening, Tilly telling her mother and her mother quickly telling hotel staff meant that when the tsunami hit the beach just minutes later, the beach had been cleared of 100 people, 100 lives were saved. And it was one of the few um, beaches on the Thai island of Phuket where no one was killed. Well, um, friends, here's just one example of a situation where what you do when you hear really matters. So Tilly had heard about tsunamis and she did something about what she heard. And the passage before us today helps us to see that what we do when we hear God's word really matters. Uh, three times in this passage, the importance of hearing well uh, arises. So there you have a look in verse 8 um, when Jesus calls out at the end of his parable, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Um, in verse 18, um, therefore consider carefully how you listen. And then in verse 21, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So this is a passage that gets us thinking about how we are listening um, to God's word. It's a pretty direct passage about that, really, and um, quite practical. And indeed, that's the very point of Jesus' parable, to show us that what we do when we hear God's word really matters. So let's read the parable again um, from verse 5. A farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil. Uh, it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, um, some context will be helpful um, from the start of this chapter. In verses 1 to 3, we have the setting. And, you know, just a quick by-the-way thing, because it's really interesting. In a patriarchal society, Luke identifies 
the vital role of a number of women whose lives had changed because of Jesus and they became followers and they supported the ministry of Jesus and the Twelve out of their own means. But what's important for Jesus' teaching that follows is that Jesus is travelling from one town to another and then in verse 4, a vast crowd of people came to Jesus from town after town. So it's a vast crowd who heard his parable. And what's Jesus doing? Um, Verse 1 tells us he's preaching, he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And he tells the parable, commonly known as the parable of the sower. It's partly a parable that gives a picture of what's happening when people listen to Jesus, that there are different responses, uh, common responses to Jesus' teaching. And so in the parable, Jesus is like the farmer sowing the seed. He sows the seed of his word, but there are different responses to his word. So parables actually, it's obviously not about farming, is it? It's it's about people. And it's about how they respond um, to God's word. And it's about people's hearts. It's about how their hearts respond um, to God's word. And there's four different soils, four different groups of people who respond differently to Jesus' teaching. And they're all explained for us in verse 11 to 15 in response to the disciples who ask what the parable means and Jesus explains it to them. So some of the seeds land land alongside the path. That is, they don't land on the soil at all. And so the seed um, could not take root and it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. And it stands for those who hear the words of Jesus, but they don't believe it And so they are not saved, as Jesus explains. What you do with what you hear really matters. Um, How you respond matters. And some don't believe. And so they are not saved. Over the last 10 weeks, 11 weeks now, we've been hearing about what Jesus uh, brings to God's world. When Jesus first started preaching that he was a long-awaited king... By the, uh, promised by the prophet Isaiah, who would bring God's favour, he would bring God's salvation. We've heard about that. Um, we've heard that he came to call sinners to himself. He invited sinners to respond to him with repentance, to turn from their sin and to trust in him and to know that their sins are forgiven. We've heard about one of those people um, last week, a woman in one of the towns where Jesus went. Everyone considered her a sinner and someone to avoid, but Jesus came not for the righteous, for those who thought they were okay, but for sinners. Not for the healthy, um, but for those who knew of their spiritual sickness. And so she turns to Jesus knowing he can help her, and then we hear she is the one at that dinner party that, who left that night in peace, uh, not the, uh, the religious guests who rejected Jesus' authority uh, to forgive sins. As you've heard about Jesus and his call on our lives, uh, it's no good just letting it wash over you and then, and then doing nothing about it. There is no neutral ground with Jesus. You, you can't actually sit on the fence with Jesus. You either believe his words or you don't. And if you don't believe his words, you won't be saved. You won't belong to his eternal kingdom. And his word is then like Um, the seed that lands on the path and it gets trampled on and then the birds come and eat it up. 
And if you've been here listening to Luke's Gospel in these 11 weeks, and if you're not sure about what you're hearing, keep reading, uh, keep thinking, keep asking questions, keep talking about what you're thinking about with, with others. Um, you could try out Christianity Explored. It's on Mark's Gospel, not Luke's Gospel, as we've been looking at, um, or something else that might suit you. And I say these things because Jesus shows us that what we do with what we, what we have and what we've heard really matters. Well, the second kind of um, ground is the rock, and maybe this is you, the seed on the rocky ground. When it comes up, because there is little soil on top of the rocky ground, then the moisture can't be retained, and so um, the plants um, wither up. And it stands for those who initially receive Jesus' word with joy, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And maybe that's you. Um, Initially, you're drawn to Jesus, you're excited about him, thinking that what he offers seems really good, but there's no root. It's all shallow and superficial. Our brains aren't really engaged. We're not really thinking about what his word means. If you're not wrestling with his word to understand it, then there won't be a foundation. There won't be roots that get nourished and grow the plant. It'll all fizzle out. So what will you do to make sure that the excitement is not short-lived. Well, why not try this? You try something to help you with reading the Bible. And at St. Matt's, we have a daily devotional guide to help you read the Bible every day. Um, you could just ask via a Connect card at the welcome desk or ask one of the staff just to include you on the mailing list to make sure that you get that. Or find out about other good Bible reading plans. Get, get, get a plan and do it. And you could join a growth group. It's passages like this one um, that led us to call them growth groups. That if you're not in a growth group, um, then why not? Um, I get it. Not everyone can get to one. Um, but maybe a regular one-to-one -one meeting um, with someone is what will work for you. And it's these kinds of gatherings where we're helped to get established and to grow as a Christian um, as, as, we, as we need to. Um, so we're not one of those people who spiritually sprint for a while <clears throat> and then drop out, but one of those who hears the word regularly and perseveres for the long-distance run. And, and if you know someone else who is like this soil, who has shallow roots, then invite them to meet up with you to read the Bible and pray together or invite them um, with you to join you at your growth group to read the Bible and to pray with others. These aren't... These aren't um, Tricky, complicated sort of applications, are they? But ones that are really, really worth us thinking through. Or perhaps um, the seed among the weeds is you. This seed develops roots with some depth, but then um, the thorns or the weeds grow up around it and the plant gets choked and it doesn't mature. And you know, I reckon this is the scariest one um, because it's the most imperceptible. Um, life happens, the normal things of life, even the good things of life distract us and gradually and slowly and imperceptibly they take up more space and they crowd Jesus out. And before long, <clears throat> things to do with Jesus and his kingdom don't pass our minds or our lips. And you see, trying to have the best of both worlds, Jesus and his kingdom and the things of the world, that just doesn't work. You can't serve two masters. And so with the seed falling among the thorns, there is this kind of 
hidden agenda in life which becomes less and less hidden as the thorns come up and as they choke the word. And in Jesus' explanation, he starts by calling these distractions the worries of life. It, it covers many different things. And more specifically, he identifies riches and pleasures that choke up the plant, that stunt maturity. So it can be our money, it can be our possessions, it can be our house and garden, it can be a demanding job and career, it can be a friendship, it can be an intimate relationship with someone who doesn't know Jesus, it could, it could be the retirement bucket list or the non-retirement bucket list, <laughs> um, it could be the leisure and lifestyle things that are assuming too high a priority, whatever it is. It's things that are becoming part of your dreams and ambitions and goals in life that are on your mind last thing at night, first thing in the morning. You daydream about them during the day and yet deep down you know that they're taking up too much space and they're crowding out more important God-honouring things. So this one I think calls us um, to be honest that is there anything that's making it hard for you to follow Jesus? And I reckon that even if you've got a hunch that things aren't right here as we've looked at the third soil, then talk it over with someone and pray. You can't hear Jesus' warning today about how these will choke you spiritually and stunt your maturity and do nothing about it. When it comes to Jesus and his word, what we do with what we hear really matters. So do whatever it takes to help you trust in Jesus and follow him faith faithfully. And then finally, and with relief in the parable, comes the seed which lands in good soil. It lands in the good soil. <laughs> it comes up and yields a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And I say with, that we come to this one with relief, because if you know the Lord, then the parable speaks to us, doesn't it? We don't want the path or the shallow soil, or the thorns. I hate seeing weeds growing up and competing with my plants, which is why I get out there when I can and pull them out. And the seed embedded in the good soil and then growing to maturity, we're meant to long for that, we're meant to desire that. Oh, to be someone who consistently hears the word of God and bears the fruit of an obedient life. Oh, to be someone who hears the word and lays down my life for my king in repentance and faith who hears Jesus' words and bears good fruit rather than being choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures. This person loves God's word. You chat with them and you notice that not only do they talk about the latest thing that struck them from the Bible in their own reading or sermon or Bible study, but the things they talk about and the things they do demonstrate that the word of God is changing their lives. They're not perfect. They have struggles like every Christian does and hopefully they talk about those too. But the Bible is not just one of many competing interests. The Bible is at the very centre of everything. And Jesus says here that they retain it. They retain God's word. Or better still, they cling to it. They don't let it go. They feed on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. They think over God's word, and they put it into practice, living a life worthy of the Lord Jesus. 
And Jesus says they persevere, that is, they they patiently keep on trusting in Jesus through all of life. The word has that effect on them, including through the trials. They cling to God's hope in the midst of trials, and that keeps them going and it keeps them growing. His word has given them hope. And so, and so their faith is deepened and strengthened. They produce a crop. They grow in maturity. There, there is a maturity pattern. There's a dynamic in their life that verse 18 picks up on. Whoever has will be given more. That is, they hear and they understand and obey the word. And as they do that, they're given more. There is growth. There is more understanding. There is more obedience. There's more growth. This time of year, like... Um, like Tyler mentioned at the start um, here, well, I, I love seeing um, the flowering plants in my garden that blossom and then come to full bloom. And, and here is a, a beautiful path to walk in life that is, um, that is before us in Jesus' parable, a path of flourishing, a path of growth, something beautiful to desire. And when some people who don't know Jesus see them, they see that they are different and they become curious and they start to draw a link between the way that they live and the fact that they are a Christian. And, and if this is you, then, then may Jesus' parable encourage you to persevere and to keep looking to God to give the growth by his grace and hope that abounds to us um, in Jesus Christ. And if hearing this makes you long to be like this, great, it's meant to do that. Pray God will keep changing your heart so that you love him with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the one thing um, we can do is to follow, and one thing that we can do, sorry, is to follow the example of mature Christians around us who are good models of discipleship to us. There's lots we can learn from the good example of others. You could even meet with someone um, so they can mentor you and help you to grow. And the one thing that we need to learn um, from them that this passage highlights is that they take seriously that what we do with what we've heard from God's word really matters. Well, the other thing that, um, things that Jesus says in this passage help us to understand why our response to God's word matters so much. So if you've got the outline there, heading to why does what we do when we hear God's word matter so much? There's three things here that reinforce the message of the parable, that underline the importance of responding well to God's word. So first reason, um, our response matters so much because it demonstrates whether we think what Jesus is real, whether we think that Jesus is really worth listening to or not. Let me explain. In verses nine to ten. When the disciples ask for the meaning of the parable, he says that the secrets of the kingdom have been given to them, but to others, to the crowd, he speaks in parables so that, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Now, can I just say here that there's lots we could say about these verses, but can I say here that Jesus doesn't mean that he's keeping secrets. He doesn't mean that he had kept the word of the kingdom as a secret and he made sure that only a very small privileged group of people would ever understand what he had to say. We read from the start of this chapter that Jesus is in the middle of proclaiming the kingdom of God to people from town after town wherever he travelled. 
The secrets of the kingdom, God's plan for the world, was hidden in the ages past, but has now been revealed um, in Jesus Christ. The words here in quotation marks in verse 10 are a quote from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9. Isaiah had the job of preaching to the people of Israel who were rebellious towards God. They were so rebellious that they'd already made up their minds not to listen to what Isaiah would say. They would hear and not understand. They would see, but they would never really see. And the people um, in Jesus' day were no different to the people of Isaiah's day. As with Isaiah's preaching, so with Jesus' parables, they're actually part of God's judgment on Israel for their spiritual apathy. They serve to have no effect on those who are apathetic or rejecting God's word and God's work. They rejected their Messiah, and so in judgment, he speaks only in parables to them. Um, the disciples, and I assume anyone who asked and wanted to find out more and to understand, Jesus explains the parables to them. Um, but to others, the parables and how they are received confirm that if you reject the king, then you will be cast out of his kingdom. And the same thing happens in our day. Lots of people hear what Jesus says, but they don't really hear. They don't understand because of hardness of heart. So your response to Jesus really matters because it shows if we think Jesus is really worth listening to or not. Verse 16 says the same kind of thing. Um, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so those who come in can see the light. Uh, Jesus came to make the light and truth of God's word clear. He doesn't hide it. His words are like a lamp on a lampstand giving light to the whole room. He doesn't hide the truth and keep secrets from people. He puts it right out there for people to see. But many will show by their response that they don't think Jesus is worth listening to. Well, a second reason why what we do with Jesus' words really matters is there in verse 17. Um, for there is nothing hidden that will be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be made known or brought out into the open. So we've seen that the light and truth of Jesus' teaching is not hidden, but he puts it out there for all to hear so they can receive his word and enter his kingdom. Here, his word not only illumines, giving light, it follows then that his word exposes. It reveals hidden things and exposes secrets. His word exposes even what's going on in our hearts. It's like in Hebrews 4, which says, God's word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And I think the thought here is not unlike Luke chapter 2, a little bit earlier in Luke's gospel, verse 35, where Simeon, speaking prophetically about Jesus, says to Jesus' mother Mary in the temple, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. God sees our hearts. And our response to Jesus and his word reveals our allegiances. And ultimately, the truth of that will be seen on God's judgment day. Then all will be revealed before God who will rightly evaluate 
um, how each person has responded to his word. And so how we respond to Jesus' words really matter because God is our judge. And we'll face his his final evaluation on his final judgment day about what we do with what we heard about Jesus. And then finally, how we respond to Jesus' word really matters because it shows whether we really belong to God's family. So Luke has chosen to end this little section of teaching. He's chosen to put the little, this little event here um, where the mother and brothers of Jesus come looking for him. And, you know, picture this moment and feel the gravity of it. His own family can't get through the crowds to see Jesus. Any loving mother wants to see their child. You just ask my mum, who lives in another part of Australia. (laughs) Um, Any loving brother um, wants to see their brother. And it's easy to think that perhaps they should have been given a special pass that allows them to be ushered through the crowd so they can see Jesus. You know, like some privileged people get at pop concerts and they get to go behind the stage and see the performers? But Jesus uses this occasion as another teaching point. That even his own immediate family, his own flesh and blood, they've got no special privileges when it comes to the kingdom of God. No special privileges above the crowd that day who are listening to Jesus. Who are the ones who are really in God's family? Those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So... Are we really part of God's family? Are we really in God's family? Well, it all depends on what we do with God's word. When it all boils down to it, what really matters, Jesus says, is how you react to what God says, particularly what God says about his son, the Lord Jesus, whether you truly hear it and obey it. So we've been listening to God's word today in Luke's gospel And we know how Luke's gospel ends, that the forgiveness he offers, the kingdom he invites us into, the family we can belong to, Jesus makes these a reality for us through his saving death on the cross. And you know, such is the kindness and mercy of our saviour, Jesus Christ, that even um, when people are rejecting him, when he he reached the climax of crucifying him, While he was hanging on the cross, he was still making known that his invitation remains open, even to those who reject him. For there on the cross he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus said, "Um, carefully consider how you listen. Listen to him. Admit the ways that you've ignored and turned away from God. Entrust your whole life to him and you'll find complete forgiveness. You'll be saved now and you'll be saved from the tsunami of God's judgment on his final judgment day. You won't be left out of the kingdom of God in the darkness of hell, but you'll you'll be welcomed into his eternal kingdom and to a heavenly father who loved you so much that he gave his son over to death for you to save you. And then by his power and by his grace in Jesus, press on and grow. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election into God's kingdom. 
Don't be distracted by anything else from hearing God's word, clinging to it, persevering in faith, producing a crop. Because Jesus said, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice.